Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Another good one. Good morning. As the um, bumper stated, uh, this is the fifth and final message in a series that's been entitled Questions from Jesus. Um, Don't let the name of the series be misleading, please. This is not an attempt to have a comprehensive list of all the questions that Jesus asked, but rather it is indeed a carefully hand-picked list of some of his questions that turn immediately into uh, meditation on our part, where we listen to whomever he's speaking to answer it, and we turn it into how does it apply to our lives today. So far, we saw the studies of the question, do you believe? That was the first in the series. What do you want me to do for you was the second. What are you going to do? And the fourth, Why do you listen and not act? So we're going to read from a series of verses that has Jesus ask a question from um, primarily today will be in the book of Mark. But as we read the book of, from the book of Mark, I can't speak for everybody here. But I have a tendency when I'm reading from the Bible to want to be there and experience it. I want to be at the Sermon on the Mount and hear the message delivered. And sometimes I want to jump into history and say, when Christ had just told the disciples that he has to go to Jerusalem and and suffer many things and die and be crucified. I know what's going to happen. Peter is boiling inside and he's going to make a statement. And I want to jump back there and say, Peter, don't say what's on your mind. But he does. And he says, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto you. And so wham! I didn't get back there to stop Peter from saying what was on his mind. And Christ says, get, be, get thee behind me, Satan. <clears throat> thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Now, when I attempt to go back, I don't know, maybe role play with what Scripture is telling me at certain points in time, I have to remember, and this keeps me from really wanting to go back there, I have to remember that something happens between Matthew 16, 22, where Jesus was charging his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Something happens between that point in history and Acts 2.14, when Peter stands up, <clears throat> stands up with the eleven and gives his motivational, inspiring speech, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And then he proceeds to tell them 
what he knew as a fact, and we know now that Jesus was whom the Old Testament prophesied would come, be killed and resurrected on the third day, but most importantly, and what they and we now know, what we must do in response to his accomplishments. Now that's the point in time we should want to go back to, to hear Peter stand up and give the motivational speech that permits the early church, despite persecution and martyrdom, to pass the word. What Peter was telling was that Jesus lived the life that he lived, a sinless life, so that he could die the death that he died, the perfect and eternal sacrifice, so that we could believe in him and be redeemed, so that he could come and dwell in us and continue the work he had begun and live that life that he lived then, right now, through us. And that would have been a wonderful presentation to hear. And please remember Philippians 1, that he which hath begun a work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're supposed to go to a question that Jesus asked, <clears throat> okay? And the message for us today, the last in the series, has a purpose. The answer to the question has a purpose. The purpose of this message is so that when we leave here today, we learn or we are reassured that we have no need to fear or be anxious about anything. Wow, Bo, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know the anxiety I felt when the kids went off to school last week. You don't know about my fear for my family's well-being. You don't know about my or a family member's or a loved one's last diagnosis from a doctor. How can you possibly say that the purpose of the message is that I should be without fear and anxiety? So if you would, please, we'll get to the passage now in which the question is asked, and please pull out your Bibles and turn to Mark, and we're going to go to chapter 4 and start with verse 35. Um, I'm going to read from old-fashioned printed word that has red ink for the important stuff and is actually in the translation known as the King James. And I think I read from the King James for two reasons. I'm an old guy. You know, I'm 73 years old. That's what I was raised on. And I was slow to appreciate the reason for many other translations. But it's also because I don't speak the king's language, King James, and when I read a foreign language that I'm studying for the first time, I read it deliberately and slowly, and I get a word like shoe, and I have to think about it and say, what does it mean? And so, and if I don't get it in that translation, I always have another one that I can cross-reference. 
But I'm going to be working with, uh, with uh, the New Test uh, with King James Version, and if you're reading from another one, fortunately I'll be reading slowly and you can figure out if there's something that needs further explanation. So we're going to go into Mark um, 4, verses 35 through 37. And this takes place after a full day of preaching. And I made the comment to Christina as we were getting ready before the service this morning and trying to get the microphones turned on and everything prepared. And I said, all Jesus had to do was get in a boat, go offshore, and speak with a loud voice to the masses. Well, this is what he says after he's done that um, in verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, dismissed the people he had been preaching to, they took him even as he was in the, in the boat, and there were also with them other little ships. And now there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was full. Okay, I'm going to ask you to keep your finger there. So big storms were notorious in the Sea of Galilee. Um, and Jesus, but Jesus was so exhausted from a day of preaching that he was asleep in the boat while all these experienced seamen were doing everything they could to keep the ship from floundering. As we read here, it was full of water. Um, but before Jesus gets to ask the question that we're going to get to, the disciples had a question of their own. Now let's look at Mark 4.38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? <clears throat> Are you chuckling at my <laughs> use of the king's English? Carest not thou that we perish? Their fear had corroded their confidence in Jesus. The disciples had seen miracle after miracle. They know that Jesus loves and cares for them, but the, but the fear unleashes doubt. That's important. Fear will unleash doubt. Where's that faith I had before this thing just surprised me? I've got to get back there. This is how Jesus responds to their question. And we're going to go to Mark 4.39. And he wrote, ever notice in Scripture when somebody asks many times when Someone asks Jesus a question, they don't get a simple answer. They get a, a question that kind of reveals when they are introspective that that question wasn't really what I wanted to ask. Uh, let me reword it, teacher, and come back to you. Or he will perform something in response to the question, as he does here in Mark 4.39. And he arose and rebuked the wind. He said unto the sea... Peace, be still, and the winds ceased, and there was a great calm. Okay, 
I'm in a boat. It's full of water. I have doubt. Don't you care that we're going to flounder? And the response is, peace, be still, and the winds abate, and the waves go away. And then he had a chance to ask a two-part question, the one we're after. It's in Mark 4, 40. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? How is it that ye have no faith? Right after, why are you so fearful? Doesn't that imply that Jesus experiencing his disciples' questions is telling them that your doubt is a measure of your faith. The more you doubt, the less faith you have. Your doubt is a measure of your faith. That is an important point to take from this scripture. Many of the disciples were seasoned fishermen. They understood how dangerous the storms were out in the water, yet they were overcome with fear. Jesus wanted his presence to cancel out their fear. Footstomp. Jesus wants his presence to cancel out our fear. Notice here also that Jesus in their presence, as Jesus in our presence, does not guarantee that bad things are going to ha- aren't going to happen. All right? Jesus' presence doesn't guarantee that. Yet our faith in him, obviously from this, is going to give us something to stand upon. Our faith in him, a faith that lets him act through us, is going to be able to take care of our anxiety and our fear. Uh, now, finally... Uh, Mark 4, 41, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Although they had seen many miracles attributed to our Lord Jesus, this might have been the first time, and maybe he's building upon their faith in him by seeing who he is, the first time that they had seen him perform a miracle over nature. All right, I want to remember from this that my faith in Jesus and his ability to indwell and take charge of me is a faith in the one who created the universe, who put it in an order, and that is the power that he provides in unlimited quantity, totally, to those who believe in him. So, there in our faith of knowing who Jesus was, and knowing who he was, wasn't enough to dispel their fear. They had an intellectual, an intellectual faith in Jesus, like we've talked about before. I know that that is a chair. I believe it is a chair. I have faith as a chair. But, 
like you all came in and sat in the chair without inspecting the legs. It's not until you sit in the chair, it's not until you allow the object of your faith to get into action, to hold you up off the floor, that you are demonstrating more than an intellectual faith, and you are demonstrating a faith that lets the object of your faith get into action. Um, I would like to... Um, I would like to share a more modern story than the one of crossing the Sea of Galilee with you today to hopefully assure you that faith in Jesus works today in people of faith. And I'm going to pick on the story of a man named Jeremiah Denton. Jeremiah Denton was a man of faith, and he was in the United States Navy during the Vietnam conflict. He was an A-6 pilot, an attack bomber pilot, that on his 12th mission over North Vietnam got shot down and spent a horrific eight years in a prisoner of war camp. Now, Jeremiah Denton, like anyone who's been in the service up to today, knew something called the Code of Conduct. And the Code of Conduct was necessary to be put into effect after the Korean War where American servicemen and women needed an awareness of what was expected of them should they become a prisoner of war. First it talks about, first it talks about what to do to avoid being a prisoner of war, and then it says, if captured, do the following things. It begins with, and everyone has caused to memorize it, although it has changed to be a little more politically correct now, I learned it as, I am an American fighting man. I serve in the forces which guard our country in our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. <clears throat> Jeremiah Denton knows this. And if we get down to Article 4, that was Article 1, if I become a prisoner of war, I will keep faith, it, with my fellow prisoners. I will give no information or take part in any action which might be harmful to my comrades. This is where the, the movies are accurate when they say you can only give your name, rank, and serial number. Don't tell them anything else. If I am senior, I will take command. This is what he does in the example we're going to look at quickly. If not, I will obey the law, lawful orders of those appointed over me and will back them up in every way. So I promised you that a modern man with his faith in Jesus was able to do something, I'll just say, superhuman. In 1965, he was shot down over North Vietnam. Uh, and by the way, before I forget, there's a fascinating documentary probably several of them, and movies have been made about Jeremiah Denton, but there's an interesting documentary that actually shows raw footage of what I'm going to describe. Um, he was shot down over the north. He was very angry, and he was even more angry because he became captured, and he was taken to what was infam infamously known as the Hanoi Hilton, and over the eight years, four years were spent in sol solitary confinement. But about one year into his captivity, the North Vietnamese found it necessary to make a propaganda movie about the war, a propaganda movie in their favor. 
And they went to Jeremiah Denton because he had taken charge of the prisoners. Even though they were segregated and separated, he had started a tap system. You write notes on toilet paper in the bathroom, all sorts of imaginative things to keep communications going between the prisoners of war. But they went to him as a good example of if we can get him to make a propaganda movie in our favor, we're going to make a lot of money on that. I don't want to be as graphic as one could be, but they beat him senseless. They tortured him and basically allowed him to heal and say, there's going to be more of that if you don't appear before the cameras and be interviewed by this neutral Japanese reporter. They allowed his bruises to heal, and he was escorted into a room, and the questioning started out with very innocent questions. He still was sticking with name, rank, and serial number, but then they started getting into questions about, do you disavow the acts of your government, and isn't it terrible this and that? All the while, and here's the miraculous thing, nobody could do this without a faith in a God that acts. All the while that he was answering their questions, and try this out and watch the movie, all the while that he was being interviewed under the bright lights, and they were asking him questions, this is the answer to your questions. They're saying, what's wrong with your eyes? My eyes are being troubled by the bright lights. What Jeremiah, <coughs> what Jeremiah Denton was doing is he was using Morse code with his eyes while talking with his mouth. I'm answering your questions with my mouth, but I'm telling everybody that sees this video, he was tapping out with his eyes, T-O-R-T-U-R-E. Torture. <sighs> Be with me, Lord, I need, I need you now. <laughs> this, I believe, is a legitimate example of a man of faith able to go overcome fear of something I never wish anyone in here to encounter. So forgive me if I was bold and say that his faith took care of a fear of something more powerful than I think I'm ever going to encounter. And if you have something going on that's worse than that, I will tell you that it says he will not abandon you you have faith in Jesus, you'll overcome fear and anxiety. That's our message today. But after retirement, if you know um, Jeremiah Denton, uh, actually he was elected to Senate. He won the Navy Cross, uh, and he lived to a ripe old age, even after being tortured and beat up for eight years solid to 89. But before he passed away, he spent a great deal of his life promoting Christian and family values. Okay, so where does a faith such as that come from? Romans 10.17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. To instill this faith which comes by the word of God, I want to leave us with several scriptural references. And if you'd be so kind, please take advantage of 
jotting down just the scriptural reference, I'm going to read a little bit of teaser for it and then meditate them, meditate on them their own with the goal of building up a knowledge of who it is that we place our faith in. And it goes, the, the scriptures that I'm looking at go 1 John 4, 8, God is love. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jeremiah Denton knew that on the day of his captivity and every day for eight years. Matthew 19, 26. With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power. Ephesians 3, 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask. In John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And finally, I ask you to remember 2 Timothy 1.7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. In conclusion... When we put our faith in Jesus, who assures redeemed sinners that he will abide in us, and we allow him to get into action in our lives, we have the power of the creator of the universe to control our fear. And we might say, don't play until I finish up. And we might say, as a poem that I would like to leave you with, I am just a suit of clothes that Jesus wears. When Jesus died for me on Calvary, he paid the penalty for all my sins. He suffered all my pain, my simple heart to gain. And now his spirit witnesses within, I'm just a suit of clothes that Jesus wears. My body is the house in which he lives. My voice is his to talk. My feet are his to walk. I'm just a suit of clothes that Jesus wears. He rose again to bring abundant life, to justify before his Father's face. I live no more, but he lives out his life through me. I am just a vessel. Fashioned by his grace, as life goes on, I fear not, come what may. He carries all my burdens and all my cares, for me, the battle's done, for he's the victory won. I'm just a suit of clothes that Jesus wears. Thank you for listening. And now, the band has a song.